This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow and today I want to talk about improving our processes. But before I get rolling too quickly here, I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Napa Auto Tech Training. Are you tired of searching for trained technicians? If so, let Napa Auto Tech help you build a technician with their Build a Tech program. These three-day courses cover one of four individual topics, brakes, electrical, steering and suspension, or HVAC through a combination of classroom lecture, hands-on, and utilizing training mock-ups. Visit NapaAutotech.com. So yeah, I guess it seems like the topic of processes keeps coming up. You keep hearing about it. You know, usually it's about the diagnostic process. That's well worth our effort and time to try to improve. But I have a slightly different take on it, and it's heavily influenced. So not to go into like some big history lesson on me or about an individual I'll bring up in a sec. When I think about processes, I don't think about just the process at work. I also think about all systems. And I mean systems as how they function and flow and work. Systems like an organism even. I'd like to reference organisms or make the analogy between a business or organization and an organism. That you have individual components, miniature systems working together, you know, symbiotically to produce something. And most of our repair shops, hopefully, is to produce properly repaired vehicles for a profit, an ethical profit. And I don't want to go down the road of ethical and economics because they really don't go together. But I think we can kind of all agree that we're not looking to take advantage of people. And people meaning clients or ourselves or our employees. So I look at these systems and it's all systems. And I want to know how stuff works. Very early on, early 2000s, late 90s, I'm on IETN.net. I spend a lot of time on there. I spend a lot of time just reading through the forums. I come across a gentleman by the name of Louis Altazan, who is a shop owner in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And his company's name is Agco Auto. He had done a podcast episode with CARM. It's Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Episode 489. And, you know, he would keep bringing up this philosophy and ultimately a person. The name of the person is W. Edwards Deming, technically Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Some people, if you've ever heard of him, he's kind of known as either the father or godfather of quality management or management. Some people would just say management, but a lot of it's equated to quality. If you run into somebody that's kind of got an economics background, kind of got a management background, education, if you will, they've probably heard of the guy. And again, not to go in depth with who this person is, but he is kind of a fascinating individual, really is. He's a statistician, engineer, physicist, but really we're going to talk about the statistician portion of things. He's gets involved with the U.S. government in the census, taking his background in statistics and applying it to our census with great success. Turns out his work with the government, he gets in favor with MacArthur. And this is now World War II. The men are going over to fight. 
That's just the way it was, right or wrong. The men are going over to fight that left women in the factories to try to produce. Deming had a system of statistical process control, and it was kind of gaining some momentum. So he's really helps our factories produce with a focus on quality that we can keep up even though resources were really limited. I don't know if you guys, certainly most of us would never remember such things. This is before our time, but just watch a movie. You know, it's a wonderful life. There is a scene where they're running around just collecting all kinds of stuff to send, you know, to the military, if you will, to these factories to build, you know, whatever tanks, armaments, etc. Deming is very much involved in this, that the, the production aspect of it. After the World War II, Japan's economy is in shambles. MacArthur is over there and just trying to get things done. He brings over Deming. And through a series of events, he ends up teaching some Japanese, specifically the scientists and engineers. It's kind of a group about not just statistical process control, but also just management philosophy. And they embrace it. You know, they joke about it in Back to the Future. How about the Japanese stuff that Dr. Brown thought Japanese stuff was junk? Back in the 50s, he wasn't wrong. Cheap junk. It wasn't long after Deming's involvement that changes. And I'm not saying it was instant. Nothing is instant. But very quickly, you have the rise of Toyota, Sony, many, many others. The quality of their goods is going up. They are taking over more and more shares of the global market, and they're starting to hit the U.S. products really hard because while we had adopted these techniques before the war and during the war, after the war, we are on just this really good run. And I'm saying good with air quotes. Quality is actually dropping. And you could look at the auto industry. The quality of the vehicles is dropping. People are buying the Japanese cars. They're built better. They're more economical, meaning, you know, purchase price. So there you go. The reason I bring this all up is building this guy up is I am truly fascinated by him. I really am. And I don't want to make this all about him. But part of his process is looking at data. You know, we won't necessarily have to get into like statistical process control. That may be the subject of something else very much aimed at management, although it really wouldn't have to be. And this episode already maybe sounds like it's aimed heavily at management, but it really isn't. It's about processes and looking at processes and tracking processes and their performance. And when they don't work, that's what we'll say. They fall out of statistical control. Finding out why. I don't necessarily even mean like digging down to the fundamental reason that we had this anomaly. That could be dangerous and a complete waste of time. But we need to categorize these things. And I think this is where these two things come into play that I think all of us could embrace and apply to our own processes, whatever that may be, whether it's at work from a managerial position in the bays as a repair tech, as a diagnostic technician or a parts manager, any position and just at home thinking about processes. Everything has a process. Every system has a process. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. 
No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa AutoTech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa AutoTech training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa AutoTech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa AutoTech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa AutoTech offers, contact NapaAutoTech.com. There's really two causes, if you will, to something falling out of this. And we'll just call it either a spike good or a valley bad, like something goes wrong. We don't have to assign it anything, but we should. I think we should try to kind of look at things and at least categorize it. Depending on what it is, of course, we can figure out exactly what happened, but we should categorize it. First thing is common cause. The other one is special cause. So whatever we're doing, our involvement in a process, and even more especially from a managerial perspective, but all of us in this process as a part of the process of, we'll just say fixing cars, should be looking when something goes awry or just artificially spikes high. We should look at that and kind of wonder, is it a common cause? or a special cause. So we'll define common cause. The common cause is something that is part of the system. It's inherent to the system. If we're graphing this all out, the performance of whatever, the build hours of our A tech, whatever that means, whatever they're doing, and we watch what he or she's doing and we track their production, just track it over time. They are not going to be billing or producing, let's just say for a number, 40 hours a week, exactly every day of every week of every month. There's going to be variation. Certain levels of variation are inherent to the system. I'll give a different example outside of the shop. Let's just say your commute to work, your daily drive to work, it takes you 30 minutes. If somebody asks you how far away you live from work, you say 30 minutes. But if you were to really track it, it's not going to be 30 minutes every day. One day it might be 27 minutes. Another day, it might be 32 minutes. Another day, it might be 25 minutes. Another day, it might be 30 spot on. Another day, it might be 22. What happened? You already see the numbers kind of float. They vary a little bit. And certain amount of variation is going to occur. So all those in the high 20s, low 30s, hovering around that 30 hours, let's take into account what is all involved driving to work, right? You have traffic. How much control do you have over the traffic? How much knowledge do you have of what traffic will be on the way to work? Maybe you have traffic lights. Maybe some days you hit the greens, 
you know, and just ride the wave of greens in. Maybe some days you hit every freaking red light every time. What is the rhyme or reason? Is that something that could be tracked? And even if it could be, what are you going to do to change it? It's outside of your control. So it's inherent to the system. The 22-minute commute, what happened there? Did you speed? Did you just leave a little early or a lot early? Or you ended up oversleeping and left actually late and had no traffic? You know, something happened that is not part of the normal system. That might be known as a special cause. A special cause is something that's not inherent to the system. I've heard it described, and I think it works quite well, is if you ask somebody what happened, they may not really be able to explain it. Whether it's, you know, just a super productive week, the phones just started ringing, or customers just said yes to everything, and it was just that one week. And then the next week, it went kind of back to normal. Who's going to answer why you had the big spike? Or your best tech, who doesn't make mistakes, makes a mistake, and it's costly. And you ask them, like, what happened? They may not even be able to tell you earnestly. They can't tell you what happened. Like, it's just something slipped their mind. They lost focus. They don't even know. They're probably as dumbfounded as everybody else is, or hopefully should be, right? Different subject. That's more of a special cause. I think we can apply this thought process to, I mean, everything, everything. So the diagnostic process, you're going to have, you know, whatever tech, he or she doesn't even have to be like the best tech in the shop for diagnostics. But let's just say they go about looking at misfires a certain way. They've just kind of come up with their own pattern of techniques or tests in a certain sequence. And that's what they use. And for the most part, it works. But more than anyone else in the shop, they're the one that's going to get burned by the car's got a misfire, you know, whatever they do, pull spark plugs and look at them, maybe scope something, and they're going to call. Maybe they don't do either of that. Maybe it's really, it's a Ford, it's got a misfire, cylinder number five, let's get a coil and a plug. And then, oh, by the way, let's just do all of them. So it gets eight plugs, seven boots, and one new coil. And We all know that's going to fix most Fords most of the time. But let's just say because of the process and it's arguably a skipped step, they don't do relative compression. Whether that's using oscilloscope across the battery, voltage drop cranking, looking for the valleys that they're all nice and equal. They take a high amp current probe or on positive negative battery cable, looking for the peaks, looking for nice even peaks, or just honestly listening to cadence or You know, they have IDS or really, I would say most professional level scan tools do, you know, relative compression tests, cylinder compression test or contribution test from the driver's seat. They skip that. They don't do that. And more than anyone else, they're going to get burned by that. They're going to be the ones to put the plugs in, boots, coils, get all done, start it up. Oh man, it still has a misfire. And then they bust out the compression gauge and oh, cylinder number five has low compression. Squirt a little bit of oil, doesn't help. Because of the process, that error can occur. You would have to track it in such a way of cars that come in with misfires, not just as a whole vehicles coming in, but you would see for this technician and this series of tests that they do versus another tech that maybe follows what we would all agree on as being a stronger battery of tests they're going to get burned by the mechanical error or the mechanical issue 
causing the misfire. That is a common cause. That's how that would be categorized. It's a flaw in the system. To fix it, he has to change or she has to change their process. Have to alter, modify, and I think most of us would agree, improve their process. Great. I think it's that line of thinking that can help us all improve and continuously improve, not to keep just dropping Deming type quotes, but that's what it's all about, continuously improving our process. And it's not limited to diagnostics. It could be everything, how you go about doing brake jobs, how you go about engine replacements, how you go about scheduling, how you go about upselling, how you go about marketing. It doesn't end. And I think that's a good thing. On the flip side, for a special cause, you have a situation where you do this tune-up. You know, same vehicle, no mechanical issue. The diagnosis was correct. It did need a coil. You call up your favorite vendor for um, ignition coils or tune-up parts or whatever, get the parts, put it in, start it up. It still has a misfire, but it's not mechanical. It's a bad new coil. This would be a special cause. There's really no flaw in the system, if you will. It would be difficult to explain. It's no one's fault. The tech can't look at the coil and say, oh, that's bad. We're not putting that in, right? It's not reasonable. It should be qualified as a special cause and really, I don't want to say ignored and forgotten about, but really not acted upon. What are the chances it's going to happen again? This is a vendor that you've purchased many, many, many coils from, from a manufacturer of coils that you've had really, really good luck with. There's really not much to do. You would get the warranty coil, you plug it in, does it work? Yes. You're kind of moving on with life. Not that you're forgetting about it, right? I'm not saying you don't forget to hold a grudge, but it has to be kind of monitored because will this become an issue? Was there a bad run of parts manufacturing? You know, something happened in the manufacturing process. Did something happen with the company itself that they're changing how they're doing things or lowering their standards or, you know, who knows? So you don't want to forget about it. But the reason this is important is what happens, and I think it's kind of a human condition type thing. What happens is special cause variations or anomalies is probably a better term are treated like common cause. And you got people rushing to change the system. Oh my God, we have to change something. We're going to have to stop buying parts from here. We're going to have to inspect better, you know, find a way to test these coils before we put them on. That would be absurd. And yet, maybe not to such an extreme, but something we see, it's something that happens. There's a really a abnormality that causes a sweeping change. And of course, we see it more from the management end of things, but it does happen at the bay level or service advisor level. I suppose, what would you call that? The counter level? That something that's really kind of an abnormality is treated as if the entire system's broke. When there's really stuff that is flawed with the system that could be focused on. And some things are more difficult. Like I've given examples of things that are relatively easy to change, but let's say it's not so easy. Let's just say production drops in the summer because it's hot. It's hard for people to work on a hot car or just in hot conditions, especially hot and humid conditions, production drops. 
at the technician level, what are you going to do about it? There's very little you could do, especially from like a, a system wide effect that you're going to have or do. Then there's the actual, you know, what would be the fix, if you will, the improvement to the system would be to climate control somehow, lower the humidity, or if there's a drier climate, you'd actually be increasing the humidity, but swamp cooler, some sort of, you know, adjustment to the working conditions. And yeah, okay, it's maybe as easy as picking up the phone and calling somebody to come put in AC, but, you know, there's an expense. So it's not so easy. Or what if analyzing your processes and all this, and you realize that the hoists aren't aligned the way they probably could be and should be? Maybe you got a couple hoists that there's really no way to just pull into them. You got to kind of jockey them around. It takes up time. It burns time. Taken over the course of a year or years, literally hours and hours and hours have been spent pulling a car on a hoist, which might seem like an exaggeration, but it's true, right? We're starting to think in terms of $3 a minute, $4 a minute. It adds up fast. Changing the indexing or positioning of the hoists isn't necessarily so easy. And again, from the technician level or service advisor level, that's rough to do, to make a big change to a system like that. That comes from high up in management and there's got to be financial investment and who knows, like, you know, not look, being able to see everyone's shops, it might be a really big deal to change it. So just to kind of get a scope of things. So really we get back to this organism, this symbiotic, you know, system or really group of systems, group of individuals working in unison together for the common goal that benefits everyone, that we can go to management, management can come back to us, back and forth, working together, identifying, you know, just issues with the system, issues with the process, constantly working on the process to improve it, make it flow better or make it more productive, more efficient, more accurate. And how that's going to come about, you know, it could be training, it could be complete overhaul of a system, it could be equipment investments, it could be so many different things, switching vendors, adding different services, just it keeps going on and on and on. And I know I've kind of hatched this really big concept on everyone on this podcast, on other podcasts. Recently, I was on Jeff Compton's the Jaded Mechanic podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I urge you to. It was in our episode. We're talking about processes. So it just keeps coming up and working on a process. I think or not think I really feel strongly that looking at a process this way, tracking, even if it's just in your head, the overall performance and thinking about it on the drive home, thinking about it on the drive into work, how did I do on this car? How did I do on that car? How did I do upselling today? How did I do upselling yesterday? What last week? I was on a really good run there. Is there something I did different? Maybe I can explain it. Maybe I can't. Let's qualify it. Let's kind of track it. Let's think about it. Let's try some stuff. Let's start gaining some knowledge about the system. And then when I run into these issues or anomalies and you know, spikes, good stuff. Doesn't always have to be bad. Something really good happened. Is there a way to qualify it and make for more of those spikes or even out the spikes, but 
raise the entire mean, if you will. So the subject of processes just seems to be all over the place. And I just feel very strongly that using those two tools to be able to categorize and also just trying very hard not to miscategorize. Don't take something that's a special cause and qualify it as a common cause or vice versa. You know, I don't want to be dramatic or anything, but it can cause more harm than good. That's my uh, pitch to everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you get a, a chance to just honestly take a few minutes and check out Dr. W. Edwards Deming is an amazing story of an American almost is head shaking in that somebody of this talent was under our noses for so long or terribly underutilized and then goes to another country that was war torn by us helps resurrect its you know economy to a almost global domination and then we still don't like embrace him here he's embraced over there like i kid you not japan has an award that they give out every year in his honor, in his name. It started in like 1950 or 51, something like that. And it continues to this day. And yet <laughs> this country itself, most of us have never heard of them. What's our quality of production now? Not just our shops, but our factories. And then also our shops. Like It's mind boggling. But I would urge you to spend a few minutes looking into this guy. It's an amazing, just amazing person. Amazing ideas. Learning about them has changed my ideas of processes, systems, and management. You know, just theory of management. Uh, so with that, I will uh, take off here. I really do appreciate you guys listening. I do really appreciate the uh, messages coming in, checking on my wife, Danielle. I really don't have an update, at least not like a really glowing one. Things are... Uh, the same as they were a month ago. She's not hospitalized anymore. That was a brief couple days stint, but she still relies heavily on oxygen and you know the medical system, the doctors and all that were kind of in a hurry up and wait mode. They got her on some inhalers, blame everything on inflammation, long COVID, which is seemingly only recently being recognized as a real thing. So they don't really have answers. They don't know when or if she's going to get better. They don't have any kind of real proven meds to give her to try to improve anything. So honestly, we're just kind of plugging along. And I don't, I really didn't say that all as a sob story. It's just an update. There's been so many messages coming in and it's very, very heartfelt. Thank you from her and me. And then also the feedback from the shows. The ideas, I really appreciate it. And if you have more ideas or would like to be a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. As you know, I'm pretty easy to track down on social media. You can also email me at mattfonslowpodcast at gmail.com. And just another big thank you to Napa Auto Tech Training for uh, sponsoring and for helping us build our techs, just like Build-A-Bear. And I would like to also thank the Aftermarket Radio Network for really making this all possible. So until then, everyone, please take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.